Welcome to Talking In Stations podcast about EVE Online. I am Matt Rall here with the Talking In Stations crew and talk about the monthly economic report for December, which came out recently. And uh, we'll talk about the Northern War and the Southern War and the low sec happenings with Snuff attacking uh, Sixth Empire in Vazgaran. And uh, we'll talk about some faction war as well. So it's war, war, war all day today. And uh, let me start with uh, our crew here. Uh, let's meet uh, Arcia Elkin. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Good. Uh, Kele Baranya is here. Hey guys. Yeah, the war is on. I can see it now. Okay, good. Uh, Suetonia is here. How are you doing, Suetonia? Hey, I'm doing good. And hello to everyone. Yeah, you can zoom in if you want. Whatever you want is fine. And uh, Tiberius uh, is here as well. How are you doing, Tiberius? Uh, good morning. Doing well, thanks. All right, Tiberius off camera, and uh, he's going to talk a bit about uh, the the, uh, the faucet breakdown for wormholes, as we promised earlier in the week that we would get to. All right, thanks everybody for coming. Let's get started. Monthly economic report for December. This is a monthly this again a monthly economic report that comes out every month and gives you information on all sorts of different things that's happening in EVE Online. And it's important to note that uh, to really look at a monthly economic report, you need to see the trend lines and see how things have changed. It's, uh, it's usually, it's know usually how, non-eventful, but... And, and know how to correct the numbers and know how to ignore the mistakes and the errors in there and yeah, all that shenanigans. But look, 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 look at the first graph, Madderall. It's amazing. It's like a seismograph. The war is actually shown up. All right, let's let's actually let's actually take a closer look at the uh, destruction numbers because that I assume is what you're referring <laughs> yeah. to. It, it looks like an actual earthquake uh, spike on a seismograph. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, earthquake is a good way to put it. Uh, tell us what we're seeing, uh, Caleb. Well, you're basically seeing uh, the the numbers from uh, some of the really massive fights, right? Uh, all the, the the Titan kills are basically showing up on that. So now we finally got those uh, numbers that I've been begging for for a long time. Because if you if you go and look at the entire trend line, the the thing you want are uh, to have a stable uh, economy or ecosystem in Eve, and especially if you want war to have an impact you need to have the destruction numbers above the production numbers right you basically need to be straining because you are draining and and, and shooting out uh resources from the game and usually that was very uh it was it was big numbers back in the day I, i'm talking like four five years or longer ago right back then when there was wars you could really see them on uh, the destruction numbers it it was felt in the entire ecosystem and um things got really scarce and you had to resupply from stock that got more and more expensive um it, and and this is basically what i've been asking for for a while and if you look at the graph you can see that it has been above production uh, in some periods and there's a few ticks where where you where you get some effect but this is actually what I, I wanted, right? The, the really big spike where there is no way for production to keep up. You can't just start cooking another 5,000 uh, uh, battleships, hint, hint, McLeod. And all it took was a Titan battle, two Titan battles that uh, were colossal in scale. 
For, oh, we only <laughs> had the one Titan battle that showed up on this uh, on this NER. Well, it, it actually it does show up on the destruction value on the early January. Looks like that they did log it in. So I might. Yeah, they, they usually give us a little bit more data than than just a month, right? Right. Well, that's a good point. I think Suetonia made the same point. Uh, what happened was there was a huge battle, as you know, M2. There was two timers for that. The armor timer, which was the first battle, actually happened on December 29th. So that registers here. And, uh, or it officially registers here on these numbers besides this uh, line chart that we were seeing. But then the second follow-up battle, which was uh, all, also a very big battle, although more one-sided, uh, that one happened on January 2nd, I believe. So they straddle the turn, not only of the month, but of the year, which is interesting. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about that, uh, that spike? Is it, I mean, you were saying like, Hey, we have destruction numbers that are above our faucet numbers, but those seem like very rare fights. In fact, after this M2 incident, I don't think we're going to see another big fight that way. Uh, at least that's on what's purpose. sad, right? If it, if it had been like spread out more, if, if the war had progressed in a different way uh, and it was more of a gradual thing, I think that would have been healthier. I think this might scare off uh, the whole war effort, but again, I don't know. Uh, people keep saying that the war is still on. I feel like it's uh, pulling back a little bit. At least that's what it looks like. Or at least it's stuck. <laughs> you know, from the outside in, the outside looking in, um, the to me this seems like a war more of morale rather than the longer that it drags on it's going to be a war of who can keep as many people logged in as possible so, um no finish finish um so you know it, it kind of what caleb was uh hinting on um i think that uh you know we're gonna this is gonna be a rare occurrence um, and I don't think we're going to see these numbers again for a long time in fact I think we're probably just going to continue to see you know the destruction graph that we saw um, from pretty much June until uh, you know December where it's going to be relatively you know the same in comparison to you know the way that it's been in peacetime so it's unfortunate but you know I think that's genuinely going to be the way that it is because the more the more battles that people lose the more uh morale is going to drop um and you know we've seen it on reddit we've seen it in chat channels we've seen it you know all across uh communication platforms with in eve online that you know the morale is a big deal especially uh you know with the titan losses as of late so well, i Go ahead, Arcia. I think that um, morale is one of the things we talked about at like the onset of the war that was going to be uh, probably the deciding and most important factor, and we were pretty much right about it. I do think that morale is a deciding factor, if not the most important factor, in most uh, reasonably balanced wars and conflicts in the game. I think the side that is more motivated and more uh, has better morale almost always does. It, it's almost always in it for the long haul and can kind of deal with losses better, you know? Well, I, I, I tend to disagree on this point because I hear uh, this brought up a lot 
because I think it's all about participation. That's the bottom line. Morale is, is just one contributing factor, but morale so is... Morale begets participation, though. It's, it's a contributing factor, but you can have high morale and not be able to get into a ship. You can have high morale and have an alt locked in a system and you can't use that uh, character, so you are out of options. You still can participate, but in a different way, and that may not appeal to you. It could also... Uh, be real life uh, gets busy for you and morale or no morale, you're not going to show up. So it's just one of multiple different things that affects how many people show up against you or for you. And that ultimately is the rubber hitting the road. Do you have any thoughts on that, Suetonia? Uh, I, I think, you know, morale is definitely a big contributing factor to participation though, right? Especially with these kind of alliances. Like I don't think, you know, if, if Mutants suddenly become way too expensive for these guys to use. You know, they'll be in ruptures. They're not going to just not bring ships. I, I think you're, you're, it, it, it's kind of complicated and it's been discussed many, many times. But I think someone needs to draw sort of a Venn diagram with the, the, the actual uh, variables, right? So it, it's what I think Dunk calls fun per hour. Uh, it's the toys and the assets required to actually participate. And it's the actual time and the will to participate so so when when these uh are joined together uh you will see whether or not people participate right when you have go ahead so when you have groups that are as large as pappy and imperium i think that the out of game factors kind of equalize each other on on both sides like there's going to be as many people in imperium who have like real life issues that stop them from participating as there are in pappy who have real life issues that stop them from participating on average because, I mean, people have life, people have lives outside of the game at the same rate, right? I would assume. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the, the thing that is different between the two sides would be morale at any given moment. And I think somebody with a low morale is likely to lose a ship and say, fuck it and log off. Whereas somebody with a high morale is likely to get into another ship and come back in a fight. I think the conditions uh, are equal on both sides uh, on, in theory, but I think we've seen it, it move. And I know that this is me shilling for the Imperium, but what I am seeing, even as a neutral bystand, I think it's been going up for the Imperium and down for the Pappy forces. It was the other way around a few months ago. Yeah, after M2, there was definitely a lot more Imperium uh, logging in, say. Yeah, and they were... Uh, well, one more thing about morale. I don't know if it's fun per hour... Uh, um, you know, for some reason, people think Eve's supposed to be fun, and I don't understand that. Uh, what is fun? <laughs> yeah, it's not it, fun. In a masochistic way, fun. Yeah. It is a monkey on your back, but... Um, Eve well, puts you know, the where? F-U in fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, so... But what, what did happen that we saw, and, and it's reflected here on the economic report, is a ton of stuff was lost... And, uh, and that led to uh, a bit of a turnaround in momentum. Clearly, the Pappy got uh, stomped uh, or stopped just cold and needed some time to um, uh, recuperate. I think that did take, and some guys are still missing, like, uh, like Ron USMC is, is uh, playing other games. I think that has to do with not the fact that the war took a stop or um, that they got defeated. It was more that uh, he's probably upset that he lost a Titan, which is expensive in this game, and has nothing to show for it, and was never able 
to use it, to participate with it because it was a, a server malfunction that took it away. And say what you want about that fair being fair, that's still a very bitter prospect for any player. And, and there's probably some guys missing from test uh, thinking like the game can't support this kind of fight. Why should we bother fighting it? That sort of thing. So I would just like to, yeah. to, to just slide a little bit into the topic that we have covered before, because I don't know if uh, people read that uh, take from, I think, was it, uh, was it Kutaku or was it IGN? One of the articles in the mainstream uh, game media was basically saying that EVE Online and, and CCP is suffering from a luxury problem with the fact that the, they have more popularity and participation in their game than their servers and their services can actually hold up to, right? And this yeah. is it's fundamentally true. The, the, and, and I would just like Sutonia to comment on, do, do you think there's a possibility of ever resolving this server crashing attitude and behavior of the player base? And do you think that it's something that can be done by design or nudging? Or is there really no solution at all? I don't think CCP is ever going to get a situation where you can have 12,000 people fighting in the same system with there being no issues whatsoever. I don't think that CCP should design the game around jamming one third of it into the same system, right? Like that's not the normal that happens in the game. And that's probably something that's not even healthy for the game, honestly. But it is the normal when we have big wars. Then people just it, even in the big in, war, in, it happened uh, once, right? Like, I've never yeah. seen it this bad, though. This is go ahead, tell you. Well, this was by far the biggest fight Eve has ever seen, right? Like, way more than two times bigger, like 12,000 people. Like, even Fury, Fury in FWST, which was the Guinness World Record uh, fight, right, was uh, half the size of M2. If all the, all the people Pappy was trying to get in could get, get in there, right. If all the people wanting to get in could get in, yeah. It wasn't necessarily Pappy. I think there was all of them. But 12,000, there was, I mean, the 9GC, I think was it, uh, the million dollar battle was, uh, that never happened, was 10,000 participants, but only 6,500 were able to get into the system. This one, um, there was 12,000 that wanted to get into the system that couldn't. So this is definitely the, one of the biggest fights uh, Ever. This is the biggest fight ever, but so, it, it didn't happen. So I don't know if like it's considered a fight, but go ahead. EVE Online is a game about whatever you want to make it about. Um, for some people, the game is about gigantic space battles among like empire coalitions. Whereas for other people, it's about smaller scale uh, battles and RP. For other people, it's about building a gigantic sandcastle, gathering assets, uh, exploration and holding difficult to get to systems to solve logistical problems. But a lot of the articles about Eve that show off Eve to non Eve players are like infinity Googleplex people just fought and it cost $11 trillion of real money. And then all these people will try to play Eve and they're in like the starter system mining in a Corvette and they're like, Where's my 11 billion people with a trillion dollars? And they don't know what's going on. And that's why we ha don't have enough people playing Eve. Well, the tragedy right. is that, that all those people could have been fighting if it wasn't because they tried to 
cram all of it into one server, right? There's plenty of hardware to support all these people. It's just not on one node. One, yeah, exactly. Oh, and Eve is also uh, the way it's written, right? It's like a single-threaded process. So, it, like the more people you add, the exponential, like it gets worse exponentially, right? So even even if you somehow like devoted like like the, you don't get more power in Eve by by linking a bunch of servers together, you get you have to have like the biggest server possible. It's just that if 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 this had happened on say uh, three different locations or more, right? Then all these people could have been participating in the war effort, um, and and I, I think it's a little bit sad that uh, there's no design that incentivizes spreading out battles. Well, there is. Goals. There's, well, there's no the entosis, right? But like, yeah. a lot of people hate hate the entosis mechanic because yeah. of that reason. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, I, you could correct that statement by saying there's nothing in the game designed strong enough to really pull people apart because they're tendency to want to play like uh, you know i call it children soccer players and everybody rushes the ball and you know wants to be where the action is there's nobody spreading out to take the pass that tendency is strong in eve players as well they all want to be in on the action and i think that's part of the tyranny of kill boards um it's also a strategy boards. right serious so, business everybody wants to register on those kills i mean uh we'll talk about this later but even in the snuff battle people are defending the Satio and then they turn around and shoot it because they want to show up on the kill board. That's just me. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's just on, a natural, it's on my skill board. That's just a natural behavior that, that people do. No, but, but CCP hasn't designed around that or, or hasn't designed that out of the system. And that's one of the reasons you see M plus one, N plus one everywhere. But it's kind of funny how people are like, oh, I killed 17 trillion isk of stuff. And it's like, you took one shot at 17 trillion isk of stuff. I don't think it was just you, right? Uh, that's, that, that reminds me of uh, uh, Dawn from Iron End that just uh, uh, every single big fight, she just slaps and runs, slaps on everything just to pad her <laughs> kill ball. Like the, the burst jamming <laughs> interceptors that were flying around her. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure everybody understands, but if you shoot one shot into the enemy object that explodes, you get credit for the whole thing. And so people's kill boards are quite deceptive because it means that you touched that many things that exploded. It doesn't mean that you contributed necessarily a lot to it. This is one of the reasons that both you and I, matter all, hate the kill board stuff, right? Kill board warrioring. I, th I think at its core, a lot of people dislike kill boards, but even... Like, I dislike kill boards, but even I took a shot at the Sodio. So, like, I'm a hypocrite. So, I can't, can't even talk, right? I mean, the Sodio is uh, red to it's me. Not so it's not unusual. It's clearly uh, a majority of people. I reject that. I never used to shoot things that I, uh, I, I didn't mean to kind of thing. Well, maybe that's not true. In a fleet fight, you're trying, to, you're trying to stay with the cadence of the fight so you don't miss one. But I wasn't going out of my way to put a bullet into my own structure that was going down or anything like that. To what be fair, you? I wouldn't have shot it if it wasn't red. <laughs> That's true. Setonia, um, you're somebody who participates in solo stuff and small gang stuff where Killboard may reflect your actual skills. Um, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I don't really uh, mind Killboards one way or the other. I think there are a lot of good arguments for them, and I think there's a lot of good arguments against them. I mean, there, there are like kind of features on Z keyboard that you can use to, you know, like 
sort of things. Like there's like points, for example, and you get less points the more proportional forces on the other side, things like that. So if you do want to try it, like if you kill a Ferox of 300 people, you only get one point for it, for example, right? Mm. Whereas if you kill the Ferox solo in just a cruiser, you, you get like 30 points for it. So Points are like not always, like they yeah, don't they always make they sense, right? I mean, they, they are stupid, right? Sometimes, like if you kill like an offline POS corp hanger or something, you get like eighty points for it, which is basically the same as soloing a capital. <laughs> yeah, like. Can I just point out a philosophical uh, thing about this that I find hilarious? How exactly is it that we know what was destroyed? Yeah, that is philosophical because I don't understand it. How do you know what was destroyed in a kill mail? How 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 is that something that you can be aware of? If something is destroyed, by definition, it's not there anymore. So how do you know it was there? Oh, why does it tell you? How, why does like, it tell by, me that? By what mechanism are the pilots actually figuring out? Because maybe you just see it there and it's broken. You see like a broken pulse laser or something. Oh, it's, it used to be yeah. a mail, right, from Concord. So I'm assuming, yeah. like, when you when you eject from your oh, pod, there's point. some automatic thing that goes out to Concord that reports the destruction of your ship or something. The ship had a black box that recorded the modules. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. called a kill yeah. mail, right? It used to come yeah. in the mail. <laughs> yeah, it used to come in the mail. Hey, it and would be then, funny if CCP got rid of kill mails because then no one would be able to do SRP. <laughs> well. Let's just that start with why, why does it give us in, information that it shouldn't, right? Just remove that. Remove the, the destroyed information. That would be a step forward. That means that you can't have perfect perfect intel, right? It would be bad well, That's the way it used to be, too, right? right? Prior to tw 2009, it used to only show you what dropped. It didn't show you what was destroyed. Well, I think actually it only showed you what was destroyed uh, on the Kimmy. It didn't say what dropped. So you used to be able to like ninja loot away stuff and people wouldn't realize what it what dropped. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to give the kill mail to the kill board, right, to actually get the information there. So you might have the information, but uh, the the person that killed you doesn't necessarily have that. But yeah, the thing with kill mails is, um, like, everybody uses them to get, like, really good intel on, like, oh, this person's flying this ship. Do they have any losses of that ship? Like, oh, like everybody checks that kind of stuff. But it's kind of interesting to see how the game might be if it wasn't a thing. If a lot of people are averse to doing things that might be stupid just because there'll be a record of them doing something stupid, I say be stupid, right? I love being stupid. It's my favorite pastime. But like so, some people like, oh, now if I lose a chip, I'm going to cry or something. And they don't want to they don't want that record of them doing something incredibly stupid. Well, we know CCP has uh, new capabilities, vastly new capabilities. So uh, I assume that kill mails will have some kind of tinkering with at some point in the future here. And we know that we want logies on them so that more uh, participation can register. As, uh, and and logies right now are kind of suffering under that. I just so we'll think see. it's interesting that like I, I feel like the record of doing something stupid is worse than the actual loss for most people. Uh, yes. You know what's interesting, and then we'll move on to wormholes uh, in just a second, but um, I don't know, Caleb, if you ever saw the statistics on, and I've seen this from Eve News 24, I've seen this from INN, and I've seen it in, in other shows as well. Very, very popular are uh, a loss of the day, as we call it, L-odds. Uh, L-odds, yeah, good old yeah, 
where people post like an absurd fit that was destroyed. And for some reason, those kinds of articles always got way more than they should have as far as views and eyeballs uh, reading them. I think, I think it's an important thing because uh, with the perfect uh, information and people uh, basically speculating in uh, how their killboards look, and then of course the abundance thing, this just killed the, the, the value of allots. They just got less and less interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what the, I never figured out what the behavior was of that. I think it's maybe a little bit of learning, a little bit of, uh, memeing on the pilot, but it, there's definitely something going on there. Seeing somebody else's miserable loss, uh, put out there was just so popular. You want to, you want to make an instant popular streamcast, just go through the kill boards and, uh, and seriously, people love that stuff. Okay. Uh, Tiberius, take us to the next part of this, uh, wormholes and faucets, how, they're make, how they make money. So one of the important things to uh, understand about um, this graph, because one of the, if you were to look at the, the faucet breakdown for this month and pretty much every month since the ESS uh, came out, is you're going to look at this and be like, wow, wormholes are making 40 trillion isk uh, this month. And that's just not the, that's not, not the case. Uh, one of the things you need to remember is that commodities are based on everything uh, that gives you uh, ISK per, uh, whenever you sell it. So that's blue loot, that's red loot, that's uh, what, uh, overseer's effects. And I feel like I'm missing one more. Anybody got me here? Is that the, that's the only three that I can. Did you say commodity or oh, oh sorry? Oh, uh, like the triglavian loot. Yeah, from the, the triglavian loot, and you also, also the uh, the uh, ESS bounty uh, things that you get from the uh, from stealing an ESS. Um, so when I was when I made my wormhole episode for kind of a, a year in review a couple of weeks ago. Um, I built a mathematical model to help kind of guesstimate as to where the blue loot, um, how much blue loot was coming in and out of, uh, you know, wormhole space. Um, and it's not, it's obviously not 40 trillion esque. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 17, uh, 17 and 17 and a half trillion esque, which is still quite a bit of money. Um, but it's not nearly as much as you would still think. Um, that's actually generally right on par with this month's amount of bounties that were uh, ratted in total. So I think the total amount of bounties that, was, that came out of NullSec was about 17, 17.1, I believe. Um, and uh, a, a vast majority of that was actually stolen. But yeah, the, it's important to know that uh, wormhole spaces. Uh, while it is still a large faucet, um, it is not, you know, outpacing Nullsec by, you know, a tremendous margin. Um, so this graph, go ahead. I, I just think that it's important to re-emphasize what the problem is. The problem is that you have these different sources of this token-based loot, the, the the faucet where you basically hand in something and you get ISK, right? But the 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 different types are not specified in the MER, which basically makes the information almost useless. And this is back to something that I covered uh, yesterday on Push to Talk. The MER needs a big overhaul. Otherwise, it's kind of, 
it, it's, it's pretty it's mystical pretty much and, and stupid, useless piece of information because this is where we actually need to know, okay, is it red loot, blue loot, is it tokens, is it the RSS? Why, why do we need to these? know that? Uh, because I heard that, that will, show. Because that will tell us what is actually potentially broken. Right now, we are no longer privy to it. And I don't get me wrong, I love fog of war, I love imperfect information, but this basically makes it useless. If, if you're not going to give us something that we can actually analyze and comment on, just don't give it to us. Just remove the MER completely. And yeah. I would actually be okay with that. Kind of an um, opinion piece here, but I, I also believe that it helps um, the it helps the community understand what needs uh what may or may not need balance um and to be able to voice that to you know the csm representatives um you know in my opinion the way that a csm is supposed to work is that you know the the csm is elected the players are their um you know constituents and the constituents go to the csm um, who then go to, you know, CCP and explain to them, you know, thought processes and, uh, you know, trying to figure out how they can maybe solve a problem. So, you know, yes, uh, in, what's, what's interesting is that it's, it's that it's, it's something that is easily fixed too. When I talked to, uh, Ixuki about the wormhole stuff and he talked, um, to the wormhole community about it, it's something actually very easy for them to fix. They just haven't, uh, they haven't gone in and fixed it yet. They just automatically put it in, and then you know that's it. So they have to rewrite the 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 script, the R script. Right. right? Then the point is that I would rather have quarterly, so three months old, good data than monthly bad data. And right. and, and and we talked about this. I, I'm pretty sure Madol must remember this. I think we talked about this way back when we had Aerith on uh, the show, and we discussed the MER, and and we all concluded that. Quarterly information is better because this whole the MER is also abused for uh, military strategical purposes, and that's not its function. That's not what it's supposed to do. Right. Uh, it's like uh, if you're streaming and you have no delay, uh, people can act on the information they see right away. But if you're streaming with a thirty-minute delay, let's say crazy long exactly. delay. Uh, it gives you a lot less tactical options, but you still get the economic news to see trend lines. Uh, so you can see that the game is alive and moving and interesting, but without the advantage of being able to act on the information. Yeah. Uh, McLeod, if we could pull the, the graph back up, um, I would actually, uh, there's a couple of things that I would like to be able to uh, speak on here. So um, one of the, uh, one of the things about this, if you notice, uh, I've actually knocked out where um, World War B actually starts. I mean, if you notice, you can see that the the trend line kind of gradually goes up while, um, you know, QML values based upon um, evictions or, or normalized for evictions go down. Normalized for evictions basically means that I have gone in and manually removed all of the eviction kill mails. Um, and those are uh, ships that drop out of um, structures whenever they pop because if you remember wormholes don't have asset safety so whenever a structure dies uh, all of the containers pop out into space and uh, you know it ends up going down but if you look at the the blue graph above um, the you know it's gradually going up which is an indicator to me that wormhole activity is actually going down but ratting activity is going up um, so my thought process is is that 
uh, with World War B, and then especially with the ESS changes, um, you'll I believe that uh, NullSec people are starting to try to find alternative forms of income because the ESS is just putting too much pressure on them to be able to respond to it. Um, you know, it in December alone, the seventeen total, the seventeen trillion esque total um, output. So that would be like if there was no ESS, seventeen trillion esque would have gone into the uh, the market stream. Um, I think only six point five trillion esque was uh, actually paid out, which is like forty. It's like less than forty percent of the total value. Which means that you know you're you're looking at, and we saw this in the in November as well as October, anywhere from fifty to sixty percent of the total value of ESS is actually being stolen. So I think that ESS is putting a lot of pressure on people to do other stuff, and I think um, we're also kind of seeing um, the value of Abyssal loot go down as well, which is an indicator mm. to me that uh, people are running more instanced PVE. Um, and that basically means that they can instantaneously get into PVE. Um, and I imagine that red loot is also being sold. Uh, another thing to kind of think about with the, uh, the faucets is that, you know, there was an 8 trillion ISK increase in commodities. Um, the event, I can't remember, what was that event called for, the, uh, for Christmas? Winter Nexus? Yeah, Winter Nexus. The Winter Nexus event dropped commodities. And that would be in the form of... Um, overseer's effects. Uh, so that also gets factored into this, uh, this commodity breakdown as well. So uh, just keep that in mind whenever you're uh, looking at commodities is that it's not as, uh, you know, as Caleb had said, it's not as simple as you would seem. Um, and it's interesting to see, you know, what may or may not be happening to NullSec entities as they uh, move into wormhole space. And, uh, you know, and uh, look for other avenues of uh, making making money. Yeah, this may be worth uh, pointing out that there is some uh, ISK stuck in the ESSs right now in the Reserve Bank because CCP currently haven't released the keys to get that stuff out yet. A lot of so ISK. As far as those, those rewards that are stuck in the long-term ESS are not reflected in the MER at all yet, are they? No, because it's it is only a smaller proportion. I believe the Reserve Bank is typically only about five percent of total running value. It, it goes up slightly. Like the lower the bounty risk modifier is, the more goes in the some of the destroyers goes into the Reserve Bank. Right, but I wonder if if that is considered less money on the NPC bounty uh, chart. Like, do you think it comes off there? Well, yeah, it's already coming off there because people aren't getting the bounty strikes. The bounty risk modifier is lower and the ISK is stuck in the ESS. Well, that's an interesting little thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's between 5 and it's five and 15%, I think, potentially, yeah. uh, is what is stuck. Um, and then, of course, a massive amount of it has been converted into, quote-unquote, commodities uh, faucet, right? I think this is maybe the most interesting feature that we've seen for many years, uh, it, it seems to be doing what it's supposed to. I'm very the ESS, impressed. right? Yeah, I think I, I really think it's doing its job. It, it, it's got the dynamic stuff. It's got the the, the lock-in uh, incentivizing uh, morsel that people can actually uh, go and chase and fight over. It it really looks like exactly what we needed when it comes to bounty. You know what? 
Go ahead, Arcia. I was just going to say, I still think my favorite part of the ESS is just the fact that there's a dead space complex in every Sovnal system that can be used. Uh, what's interesting as well, um, we talked about this, I think, on Tuesday. can't remember when we did the, the brief over, overview of the NDR. I, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, um, we had Rich Richmond on, and we kind of talked about how it's interesting that it's also modified player behavior to an extent that was maybe, maybe expected by some, but maybe not as expected by CCP, um, mm -hmm. where people are actually just doubling down and they're taking the L, so to speak, and just ratting in 25% uh, modified systems as opposed to trying to, you know, expand out and look at for those systems that are, you know, either closer to 100% or over 100%, um, just because they prefer the safety over, uh, you know, the risk. I mean, that's still kind of a win because you shouldn't make as much money if you're going to be that safe. Um, like they have, they tried the blackout and people rejected that because it lowered safety. But since they rejected that, like ESS dynamic bounty system was clearly like a, a way of trying to give people the choice between the safety and the ESC. And if some people still take the safety, it's better than the situation of blackout where they just didn't play. I think the only thing that could improve this whole ESS system, uh, I think maybe Suetonia remembers this, but back in the day, we used to have this stupid uh, design with uh, teams that you had to bid on. I think we need that for the ESS tokens. I think we need the reverse, right? So people undercut each other and then mm, the actual uh, conversion into ISK uh, happens on, say, a uh, uh, daily or weekly basis. So you actually have to bid down to get your stuff sold. Yeah, there might be that kind of dynamic with the uh, keys, right? Because we don't know how they're going to be introduced into into the game. Potentially, if there uh, if there's like some sort of controlling factor, like they come from data sites or something, then th like there's going to be like different values for different regional keys, and you could like uh, I guess put up buy orders for keys at higher rates to like discourage people from taking your ISK, but then you're also paying more to take them. So it kind of has a kind of similar effect. I got to say the idea uh, interrogative here, the idea of uh, the keys coming from pirate uh, faction data sites inside of like wormholes and nullsec, I think it's a wonderful, brilliant idea. Yeah, we don't actually know where they're coming from. Yeah, we don't know either. where they're coming from yet. Uh, CCP hasn't announced it yet. That was a bit of an interrogative. All right. Uh, anything else on wormholes and uh, how they're making money? And what's your bottom line, by the way? Um, you know, my personal opinion is uh, that wormhole space right now has uh, issues um, with with ISK and safety. Um, the we talked about this in the last uh, in the last wormhole episode, but um, overall. Um, you know, while battleship ratting should still be a thing inside of a wormhole space, right now it's it's too safe. Um, there, it's almost on the same level as uh, uh, Astro House farming. Um, for those who don't know, Astro House farming basically was uh, you do the subcapital site in two battleships, um, you spawn the drifter boss, and then you warp to your citadel and use your citadel to use anti-capital weapons to knock down the drifter boss with zero risk. Mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't really how the site was supposed to be run. Uh, now what you see is, uh, you know, you'll see ratting fleets that have 
you know, 15 or 20 battleships in order to clear the site efficiently. And, you know, the way that the NPC uh, AI works is that they all, all scram and point one target. They don't ever like spread tackle or anything else like that. So what'll, what people will do is they'll take the L um, and they'll just micro jump drive all of their battleships off of grid, warp their, uh, warp their battleships back to where they are, uh, let the battleship that's tackled die. Um, and then that's it. You know, even if you get rolled into that's, you know, it's really difficult to try to capture these, uh, these battleship fleets. Um, and, uh, I think that CCP needs to find a way to address it in a dynamic way, as opposed to just, you know, uh, what I think all wormholers feel, uh, fear, which is, uh, you know, they slash ratting, uh, across the board by, or the value, but across the board by 20 or 30%. And that's not what we want at all. It would be nice to have, you know, some semblance of risk involved with uh, running these high-class sites because it's it's essentially the best ISK making in the game in a lot of respects. It just takes a lot of ISK in order to actually make it. Um, so I think that um, commodities as a whole, um, I think it's still in a relatively okay spot. Uh, I could argue all day with Caleb about this. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that CCP needs to find a way to dynamically make the, uh, the ratting those high class sites about in a balanced way. All right. All right. So, uh, let's talk about ESS a little bit. Is it doing what it was supposed to do? I saw that NPC bounties have dropped really their lowest, consistently their lowest area, their lowest amount, uh, since, um, when I think there was a during blackout, there was a brief moment where it was actually less profitable to be a nullsec harvesting NPC bounties than it was to do incursions. Incursions made more money at that for that brief day or two, but it's back in that area now, and it looks like it's there to stay this time. Uh, it's a yeah, dramatic fall. I believe that that value on the uh, MER doesn't include the money they get from the ESS though. When the ESS pays out, that's just how much money they get paid directly to their character that's guaranteed. So a lot, a lot yeah. on average, it's probably lower than what it used to be, but it's probably much higher than what it shows on the MER in terms of like how much bounties people are getting from NPC sites. I think the yeah. total value of uh, sites was 17 trillion-esque, which uh, over the um, over the course of December, which is still relatively low com as compared to, you know, the rest of the months before the dynamic bounty system came to be. Well, I, I saw some napkin math that actually kind of hints at the fact that ratting activity is up when you correct for all the ESS changes because you have the reduced efficiency thing when you keep banging on it. Uh, you have the percentage take, you have the payout thing, you have the the, the thing that uh, gets locked behind the key, and of course you have the token stuff. And when you add all these factors up, it looks like there's actually more ratting going on than there was before the ESF. Oh, interesting. And they did tweak it, right? I mean, we we're just looking at it there. You could see that um, the the bounties actually were lower last month, maybe the last two months. And uh, CCP, remember, they made some fast iterations on what was going on. And you could see that uh, it worked. The uh, December is up above the previous time. It's, it's so, not not, not to, to, to trail back to the wall, but some people seem to have, uh, oh, let's call it bailed on the wall, right? 
And there's some groups that are very active in the ratting activity stuff and building out their quote-unquote rental empire. Uh, you can see uh, the OASA numbers are still massively high. Um, so it makes sense that the numbers might actually have gone up, I, I would say. Yeah, I think it's also worth pointing out that uh, CCP recently added the DBS system to LOSEC. And I think in almost all Ooh. cases, that's basically boosted the number of bounties that ca that comes from LOSEC because LOSEC is so dangerous and it's not farmed so much. I don't think I've ever seen a LOSEC system with a bounty modifier like lower than the base 130%. They're almost always like 160 to 180%. Yeah, they're basically all maxed out. Pretty oh much. my God, that's amazing. Because I didn't know people that was happening. fight all the time in LOSEC and doesn't afraid of anything. Well, it's also known as not a place that you would rat. So those numbers are suppressed. Uh, in other words, there's no counterweight to all the PvP that's going on there. Like yeah. the main thing to do in uh, LOSEC is hunt for clone soldiers, which doesn't include as much ratting as like anomaly running. Yeah, I mean, all of the, the income sources in LOSEC that are really good are level five missions where the main payout is in loyalty points, not in raw ISK. Mm. Uh, it's FW missions, which is the same thing where you're getting loyalty points, you're not necessarily getting much ISK. In fact, I don't think you get almost any ISK, right? Because you're normally killing faction rats, which just drop tags. Yeah, and you only kill like one or two rats usually in those. So it's not even like you're ratting a lot. Okay, how can someone take advantage of these really great ratting ratios or uh, opportunities in low sec i mean I, th I think running missions in low sec now actually might be kind of legit because you're basically making twice as much as you're making in high sec if you're running missions for the bounties like you, you're running like angel extract of, of guns or in those kind of missions right what you're about getting complexes uh, i'm not sure how valuable dd cons uh, complexes are in low sec, right? Because the like six out of tens generally don't have that many high bounty rats in them. But it, it still probably is quite nice to get like an extra 10 mil in bounties or something though from it. This is basically back to what I think I said when the ESS was introduced. I think they need to raise the top cap. Uh, I think incentivizing even more. Let it let it go to 300%. Put, put this big prize on it so things like these low-sec uh, uh, locations actually become something that people want to go and, and farm. Take it to 11. Pretty much. But, but seriously, if it, it's, it's this nice nudge factor where, sure, you can keep doing things the way you always do, but if you can save and cut your invested time down to half the necessary time to get the same uh, output, then people might actually consider moving for it or, or roaming around for it. That's the magic. That's the magic potion, isn't it? That I remember as a, a high sec miner looking at low sec and seeing the rocks that were twice as big as the ones I was mining, thinking, "Could I get away with it?" Like that. Like you need to incentivize people to want to take the risk, and if they can get that right in a place like LOSEC, I think that's a whole new ball game for activity in space. Yeah, and it just has to be volatile and reactive enough so it reacts so fast that you can't necessarily benefit from botting it. Yeah, or, or farming it, right? So I think that it would be hard to make LOSEC routing that's, that's act like, like good because most LOSEC regions are, are incredibly dangerous to the point where even if you made it as valuable as NullSec, it wouldn't be worth it. 
All right, so we talked about destruction numbers being up. We talked about the faucet breakdown for wormholers and what that's looking like and ESS and how that's incentivizing low sec, but also suppressing NPC bounties and dynamic bounty system in null sec. Uh, this is a question Tiberius brought up. Where are we economically overall? Well, I think didn't CCP say uh, they did their economic update just at the end of the year? And I think they said that the, before we went into the scarcity phase, it was in the unhealthy stage. And now we've kind of gone past the medium. And they now think we're in this stage where they need to start adding in more carrots. Yeah, because we're in this like, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the indexes, uh, the indices, sorry, um, with the mineral price index and consumer price index stuff, uh, you see the mineral price index is just sky high. Um, and then the consumer price index is, you know, it's, it's very low in comparison to, you know, where it should be. And it just doesn't make any sense to me um, how we could be in what is essentially a, an inflationary period where the value of um, materials and minerals is exceptionally high, but the value of your ISK, you know, continues to uh, you know, continues to drop while there's a, a decrease in the total value of um, ISK faucets that are coming into the game. It just doesn't make very much sense to me at all. And this is why I keep saying that uh, it's not going to get healthy until we get that carrot. But I still want that carrot to have the point of failure that many people in, in at least in EVE industry, know is a factor, right? If if there is agency to choose to say boost a specific uh, mineral uh, production um, or any resource production really, then if if everyone and their mother does that, right, that will mean that sure you will get a lot of uh, uh, what is currently the flavor of the month or blingy and will make you profit. But before it actually hits your hangar floor everyone and their mother will be doing the same. And that means that you're basically going to crash that market and then boost the other ones because humans are dumb, right? It, it's similar to some people might remember back in the day when uh, CCP doubled the uh, production cost required for battleships and everyone and their mother started producing battleships at the old production cost. So there were so many battleships that they were completely worthless and you couldn't get rid of them uh, at, a, at a decent price. So it took two years or something like that to actually get those stockpiles out of people's hangers, right? This kind of stupidity brings volatility and uh, economic uh, di dynamic uh, behavior to the game. And I hope CCP really launches it like that. It's just, it, it, it's really something we need now because the current famine is, is basically stagnating the activity. All I heard from that was you calling my mother stupid. Like, I but, called okay. everyone else's mother stupid, <laughs> not necessarily yours. I think everybody's mother is fantastic. Yes. But you if they all, if they all choose to do ch chocolate cupcakes, right? Chocolate cupcakes <laughs> will cost nothing. They will basically be free. Uh, all right. Anyone maybe else? There should, maybe there should be a, a dynamic ship modifier where the more ships are built, like the, the, the more materials they take to use. I know it's kind oh. of uh, silly. I think McLeod and Initiative would oppose that because they want to be able to cook five thousand battleships at once. Yeah. 
Well, there we, we have talked about this and we won't go down this rabbit hole, but the idea of somehow putting a choke point on production. Well, the problem is that that's what Suetonia is saying kind of makes sense. The point is that it yeah. should actually be the it's, other way around. Like if, you, if you build a lot of battleships, battleships should get easier to build and everything else should get harder to build. And then you get uh, even more munits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the, I mean, that is, uh, oh, we should have a whole show on the productions and maybe some of the ch proposed changes and stuff, but we'll, we're going to like forgo that for now. Um, although I want to talk about it. So where are we economically? Suetonia, Arcia, did you guys have opinions on that? Oh, I, I think we're in a, in a, in a, we're oh, in a better that. place than we are now, but it, you know, we, we need some more carrots at this point. So yeah. We, we, we've gone through the slimming phase, you know, we, we've dropped, we've dropped the pounds. We just need to, you know, we can start eating a few cakes now. Or, or building muscle. I see what you're saying. Uh, and Arcia, did you have an opinion? I mean, I don't think that, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're better off or worse off. Um, I'm just yeah. not. Yeah, that's not my specialty. I don't either. I, I don't either. I, don't either. Uh, I think if okay. I think if CCP lands the carrot even just half as good as I think they landed the ESS, we're fine. We're going to be fine. I think they changes wow, like the ESS are fantastic for the game. I don't know if that's be because of the economic impact, but just the existence of the ESS, I love. What do you guys would What do you guys think about adding the DDS to high sec? Because that could actually be very interesting, right? Because uh, that could like split up the mission hubs and like force people to like, move to Minotaur high sec where not as many people are and stuff. I think that would be amazing, and it should happen. And then they should add sovereignty tax on the ESS. So in null, sovereignty holder gets it. In high sec, it sinks out of the game. Bam! <laughs> that was a good one. Good suggestion. Uh, okay. That is our economic uh, review for December. Uh, I didn't see any other trends that are a big deal. Oh, and I, won't... Okay. I have something that I think actually makes a big difference. Um, sure. with the cores, the, the dynamics of, uh, putting, needing to put in a core to finish the anchoring timer on an Astro house or some, or any structure, I think completely changes the kind of uh, uh, incentives that like third parties have during a uh, anchor anchoring fight. Whereas like before the course, there might not have been a reason for like third parties who were coming to an anchor timer to really care about the structure because they wanted more timers. Now they could walk away with free money if they also shoot the structure. And we did see uh, a rise in the cores being bought uh, towards the end of December as that deadline creeped up. I believe mm -hmm. it was um, December 8th or 9th. I can't remember exactly what date it was. I could be completely off base. Uh, or not December, uh, January, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, but yeah, there was a pretty large increase in um, purchases of those cords um, in order to I, uh, get their structures up. Can I just mention one thing about the cores that still scares me? I, f I get this strong feeling that CCP might be laughing because they have a very evil plan that they're actually going to remove supply and just make it a limited factor that exists in game. And then 
slowly gets destroyed out of the game from Luke Perry. It, if they do that, I'm just going to lean back and applaud so hard that you, because that would be the funniest thing ever to happen. Well, that was an idea. Well, the chorus to... drops though, right? The chorus drops. Yeah, it still drops. To the Luke yeah. Perry. But the so idea you have to, was you have floated. To chase them, right? Yeah, so the you idea have to was kill floated someone for... else to get yours. The idea was floated to control the Titan proliferation, was to make Titan have a heart that you needed to capture by destroying a Titan. And then you could use that heart to build your own Titan. So it limited, it was a hard limit to the amount of Titans that could be in the game. Oh, can, I just, can I just point something out? If I'm not mistaken, it drops every single time from a killed structure. But yes. I'm pretty sure it does not drop 100% from cargo. No, it yeah. does not. It still follows the same uh, loot drop of yeah. you know, percentage. So that means end. that there is a natural sink every time someone shoots a ship with it in it, right? So that would, of course, be slow, but it would happen over time. That means that the current population of structures are never going to increase above the top. It will always just diminish over time, which is so kind of what we need or wanted, right? But if they did something like that, only like, large groups would have structures and nobody else would ever be able to have a structure ever because the large group would just hoard all the available cores. Same thing with Titans. Right now, there are faction warfare groups with Titans. Uh, but if they had like limited number of hearts, like it would all go to the largest groups eventually, right? And then what could anybody else do about it if nobody else has Titans? Well, the cores, again, they only prevent a station from being used as a battle station. They don't prevent you from you using it. You can't even anchor it and repair it oh, without a core. Sorry, you're right. You can't actually anchor it. Um, it was the grandfathered ones that were in. That, right, yeah. Yeah, but those will eventually, I assume, go away. So you're right. You need to have a core in order to have a structure, in order to have services or anything. You're right. Um, you know, it, it, it would only make sense... That because of course the most powerful groups would come over and take yours, take the heart out of your citadel and take it away, right? It would only make sense that uh, if you had some kind of counterbalance to having groups that were too big, and I don't think CCP's figured that out. So, well, you could have like a system where you have like some kind of like dynamic price. Like the more cores are in the game, the more expensive they get. So. Eventually, like if uh, if a Satoyo core costs ten bill when there's let's say a hundred in the game, maybe it costs eleven bill when there's one hundred and ten. It costs twelve bill when it's one hundred twenty, etc. Well, so then they, they they slowly get more and more uh, expensive. So there's more and more incentive to take them from other people. Well, that that just kind of follows the same lines of um, uh, that suggestion. Just kind of still follows the same yeah. line of the big blocks are benefiting the big blocks because they have well, the most money. Well, yeah, that, really not because you can't you can't corner something like this. So you would always have someone wants to siphon or sell them on. Especially the 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 more problematic and the more scarce they become, right? The higher the value that will both incentivize new destruction, but it will also incentivize more siphoning. Siphoning. This is the same. This is the same as 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 what uh, resources leave null. Even if you have a policy that says everything stays in null for our Any, own purposes it always gets siphoned out someone is anything, always cheating anything that is limited and um ex limited and lucrative that can be taken from another player will be taken by a stronger bigger group normally and so you would have to find some very aggressive way to say there's a price for being big as well 
And then you have to worry about bat phones and cooperation and diplomacy. And that's another nightmare, right? Look at what we've seen so far. Um, well, in the entire history of EVO Online, you can't eliminate the bat phones or the N plus one. So you can't really have a cap on things. Uh, I think, I think that's a really big uh, can of worms. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, that, we'll talk about snuff in just a second too, because that's well, there's just a huge part. potential that CCP could could do something like this. I'm not saying that they're going to completely cap it. I'm just saying that if they say wanted to make it more difficult to actually destroy structures in HiSec and then have this limitation on uh, how to get the cores, these two things would be mutually beneficial. It would basically become a new sort of export uh, uh, item for NullSec because, yeah, sure, they can kill other NullSec entities and steal the cores, and then they can sell them at a massive markup to people that want to drop uh, structures in HiSec for, uh, quote-unquote, EVE Online housing, right? Uh, but, the, but the percentage of the, of the value would end up being that a core would end up being more valuable than the actual build cost of the structure which I think is exactly where we want that value of the cause, because then they become an incentive. All right. Uh, let's move on to the wars now, as we're talking about economics and uh, mostly pointing at what, what war is doing. Let's actually talk about those wars. What's going on in... Uh, I'm going to switch these around. The, nor the Southern War is the one that's uh, been talked about over the last six, seven months. It is mostly happening in Delve these days, but also in legacy spaces. Uh, some areas are being taken over there uh, by Dreadbomb and such. Uh, and Catch, we're talking about. Um, but what happened in the Southern War this last week that uh, was important and notable, if anything? I think uh, NCDOT put down some, actually test as well, put down some Fortizars in, I think one went down in 1DQ, but that is, uh, it got anchored. But that's going to take about uh, three more days. It's a total of six days since those ADMs are so high in 1DQ. So we'll, we'll look to see what happens with that, if anything. Um, anchoring a Fortizar inside a 1DQ, if you're Pappy, it looks like a hard thing to do. But also they put in a couple or three Fortizars in M2, where things are stuck uh, for Pappy. And... Um, I think one or two are off-grid, but one is actually on-grid now, so we'll see what's going on. And it seems like the Fortizar is being put down from the perspective of Imperium, if I understand this correctly, is that there's, those are kind of like distractions um, to see like, you know, if, if uh, the Imperium will move to try to get those, uh, then, they, then, then maybe at that time, uh, Pappy can actually try to extract some ships that are trapped in him too. I'm not sure. But what does happen is there are breakout attempts for the fleet that's stuck in M2, buried there, basically. And uh, I think they got out like, I want to say, five to ten Titans and um, a few supers. Out they of also what, lost 200 or something? Yeah, and it's worth, I think it's worth putting it a out. Lot. I think Asher, Asher posted this, but the, the ones that got out were the ones that were in the like safer spots anyway. And the ones that are like trapped below the keep star, I, I don't like. I think only one or two of those ones have actually got it now. Yeah, the the ones that I saw because we did some live coverage on this. I think it was a day or two ago, were horde and test mostly horde, and they were coming out on top. So these weren't even um, with the fleets that were buried pretty well in there. Uh, yeah, they'll probably uh, 
Titans that survived the second M2 timer. Right. So they were on the on the top where uh, they were happy signed in. Yeah. It was interesting to watch. A little exciting, actually. Uh, a couple of Nixes did die uh, there at the end, and then they stopped moving them in. And so I don't know what's going on in the war that is uh, strategically important, but there definitely is still a lot of fighting. And actually, some people prefer this fighting because not only do you have a portion of the Pappy fleet stuck in M2, but you also have the prison guard stuck as well. It's kind of like the prison guard is in prison as well, isn't he? Because he has to be there. So he can't uh, go and guard the bank or, or something else. But it's more like two pawns that uh, are stuck in the middle of the yeah, they can't board, move. right? They can't move <laughs> because they're just in front of each other. And and this is what, what I am puzzled about. Why are we focusing so much on, on, on this stupid stalemate? Why are they not doing something else? It's not like it's their entire fleet, or I hope not, because there were allegedly a lot more. This should only comprise what? 20%, 25% maybe? How about using some of the other pieces and and not keep trying to uh, escape this uh, this gridlock? It's just continue the war. Otherwise, you're going to sit there staring at each other, and the war is going to teeter out, and and people are going to get bored. Well, they they have, and that's what's interesting. The uh, supercat fleets are basically sidelined. At least that big cataclysmic escalation has sidelined. While subcaps are out and capitals too fighting it out for different things, you're seeing iHubs go up and down on both sides. Uh, you saw a Keepstar in one Smed, I think, get uh, shield timered. You know, that's not a big deal. That can happen at any time. We'll look for the armor timer tomorrow, see if it's a serious attempt. But there's things going on. And again, some people prefer this kind of combat where you don't have that. Uh, I think the escalation options are different now that uh, some things are trapped on both sides. It's kind I of an interesting. I thing. don't know if this is goon spin, but goons, are, uh, or at least Imperium, uh, keep pointing out that if, if they want to break out of this gridlock, you have to dedicate it to a proper attempt to break out, right? All of them needs to kind of get in there and then potentially risk having a slugfest and, well, I don't know, bloody nose, one-to-one uh, exchange. That would be fine. It's just do something instead of, Instead of this staring contest, because one thing is that they try to use the the attrition and constrictor method on on this elephant that the Imperium is. But if you're going to get stuck in a staring match, people will seriously leave this coalition and just say, okay, fine, the war's over. Yeah. I think there's some attacks on um, Helm's Deep as well that are happening, but I'm not sure. And I don't know what that signifies anymore. It's more symbolic than anything else. I don't know. Suetonia, do you know anything about this war zone at all? I know there's been a lot of uh, fighting over iHubs recently. So uh, I think Goonswarm managed to save another. They took, I think, DTECW the previous week and they defended it. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's kind of important because that's the other side of T5Z. Yeah, and it's, they also had a, a keep star in that system, right? So it was uh, on the cusp of being vulnerable to uh, having Sino Jammers installed and Pappy being able to destroy it without Goonsworn being able to respond with caps. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's another 30 days to get that opportunity back for Pappy. Okay, but some of the other news that's happening is affecting the Northern War Zone, which is fraternity versus a lot of local groups. And... Um, what, what, what's the big news here? Um, I'm thinking Siberian Squad. 
what do you think? Oh, so Suspiria Squad is not, I don't think they're actually part of the fraternity versus tribute veil oh, okay. war per se, but I guess it, it is probably worth uh, mentioning that they are officially leaving Legacy now and they're moving to 5ZXX in Pure Blind, which is an NBC Pure Blind system. And they're allied to Bandalogs Alliance, which is the alliance that currently lives in 5ZXX. And their stated goal is to reclaim Declan, which is their former home when they were part of a dead co uh, coalition. So they're going back up and trying to do what they did before. Yeah, they want to, uh, you know, take back their homeland, I guess. So it's kind of interesting, but uh, it's a bit of a, a blow for legacy, though, right? Because uh, I don't think they had that many numbers. Like I was looking at some Kilmo or some Delve, and they were only bringing like 20 people to these IHUB fights. So it's, it's not like there's a ton of numbers leaving the, the Delve war zone, but it does mean there's probably going to be like a lot more uh, space in legacy space that's going to be vulnerable because with uh, Siberian squads gone, uh, like a lot of, I believe they live in Tenerifis. A lot mm. of those ADMs are probably going to start falling and it means that uh, some groups like uh, Salt Farmers and Dreadbomb and those kind of guys who like to harass the local population might be able to get some footholds and start uh, killing some uh, iHubs. Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning TTT in this. Of course, it might not happen yet, but with things like the... Uh, the Tranquility the Trades Tower. Yeah, yeah. But, but with things like uh, Snuff being uh, allowed free reign in, in, in HiSec because the null entities are kind of busy uh, with their wrestling match, that actually should also potentially spill over to something like the TTT network, right? Because if other entities are no longer um, something that can be defended by any null entities... Well, what about Null Entities' own co uh, coalition thing in HiSec, right? The, that whole uh, monopoly is also at risk because it's just a matter of time before someone goes for maybe some of the smaller targets that are participating in that uh, little cartel, right? So what happens then? Does does that mean that NullSec then ends the war or pauses the war? Do, do, they, do they do some sort of... Uh, uh, ceasefire to go and defend their own network or what? Something something is up in, in that regard, I think, because this is not sustainable. I mean, Goons and Horde were allied to defend the uh, TTT like a month ago. There wasn't any real important timers, I believe, at the same time. But mm -hmm. That's really good diplomacy uh, and planning on the side of, I, I think, Vili is the one that makes this decision. You, Happy decisions aren't all Villy, but trade tower ones probably are. And the fact that he didn't say, hey, we're at war and we look like we're winning, so we're going to kick a goon swarm out of TTT and uh, take all the profits for ourselves. The fact that that didn't happen is, I think, is good uh, leadership, right? Because now you're going to need goon swarm to help you out if Snuff decides to uh, attack the trade towers. Uh, as, uh, as I understand it, Snuff get paid to uh, to just not do anything to the TTT, right? Like a lot of the groups that are capable of doing stuff basically get paid hush money, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, to, you know, they get the racketeering, but they but they also have. And remember, this is Snuff, and Snuff doesn't do anything just for money. They do stuff to also be the spoiler, and they have a grudge against uh, 
test, right? They, but, but least, if, I want if a to, group, they really don't like each other. But if the group like Snuff and other HiSec-focused uh, entities are fundamentally now the muscle in HiSec, because null muscle is no longer available, then their, their take or their hush money should increase, right? I, I think I would uh, I, I would need to renegotiate are you, the deal. Are I'm, you are you doing some psychological warfare no, 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 here I'm and just throwing that, a hint to snuff? Like I'm just saying that the point is that the whole TTT thing was basically the the monopoly of violence. The fact that the null entities had the muscle and could actually uphold that monopoly, right? So if they are no longer able to participate with any muscles in high sec because they're busy, and and now the 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 secondary uh, uh, muscle groups in high sec are the new muscle and are functioning on this hush money stuff. Well, why don't they just try and get their own racket that's running, a, right? It's, it's, it, that's it's gang, natural. It's what gangsters do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and this is what I mean, that there's a political scenario that's kind of, I would say, unsustainable in high sec. Of course, if they're not greedy enough and, and not mm, bloodthirsty enough, sure, hush money will work for the next months or so. But is it sustainable on a longer term? And what happens to the wall? I'm just... I'm just curious because it's it's a funny scenario. All right. Well, we'll get to the snuff attack on uh, so like in order to attack the TTT stuff would probably between like having to fight off the no blocks who probably who would almost definitely come defend it and needing to tag up all their their uh, characters that even enter high sec because they're like all negative ten. They would they would lose a lot of money based on just taking probably considerable amounts of free money they're getting for the hush money. You I, still I have... doubt they're going to hit the TTT. All right. Well, let, let's, let's, we'll come back to this when we talk about snuff, but uh, I want to finish up with Northern war. Is there anything else going on up there? I mean, we haven't really talked about the actual war between fraternity and uh, the groups. There's a lot of really good fighting going on up there. Yeah, so I believe fraternity are moving their supers and capitals now out of Delve, the ones that they have spare. And they're now going up towards the drone regions uh, to try and assist in this northern war. Uh, because uh, so far, the fraternity have really struggled to make a foothold against these uh, northern alliances all working together. Yeah, I think fraternity has more people, but the, the, the groups that are there are pretty good fighters. Uh, they've been around a long time, thinking of Rote Capel and, and some of the groups there that are maybe new, but have players that are very skilled. Yeah, and I think, I think it's also a, a time zone problem as well for uh, Winter Coalition and FAT, right? Because uh, the, the alliances that are defending are primarily European or US time zones and fraternities primarily Chinese time zone. And because of uh, the, the way the sub system works, right, they can't really assault anything outside of uh, the, the Chinese time zone where the numbers are a lot more equal. That's a good point. They'd have to alarm clock. Uh, to play an EU or US time zone, I think. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of the, the people who are there have like a lot of experience fighting in these kind of numbers, especially like these sort of like in, intosis war numbers. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the ice cream truck. <laughs> it's around here somewhere. Uh, sorry, that was yeah. uh, an alarm. Yeah. So are, are you up there at all uh, fighting? What are you doing these days? Oh uh, well, we're we're part of. I'm part of. Uh, Volta, we Volta, right? and we have been uh, helping out uh, toilet paper and rope capel and the guys who are defending. Uh, we did have two groups from Trigger Happy join us, so they have a lot of uh, contacts down there. 
Trigger, Trigger Happy still owns like a, a, some sort of down there, essentially. So we're mostly just showing up as a third party on the side of Root Capel and uh, Toilet Paper to get some kills against Winnico. But we might also start getting a bit more busy now that Siberian squads are also coming up north too. So it, their stated goal is to try and reclaim Declan. So that's you guys too, isn't it? Yeah, Volta partially owns uh, Declan Uh-oh. or Decline, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I call it Declan, but people like to call it Decline. I, I don't know why. Uh, so that's going to get interesting for you because now you're going to have uh, essentially two fronts uh, if they get too active. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Suetonia. I think that's an interesting place. Uh, we talked to um, Murray, I think, or Rathbardo, um, Rathbardo a couple days ago. Uh, we're in touch also with Fraternity. We're going to see a lot more of Noros uh, on the show since uh, he's got a new mic. So maybe we'll bring him on a lot more. And he's given a lot of credit to these guys putting up fierce resistance. I thought they would get rolled because of numbers, but um, the time zone thing is really important. And uh, I like what you said there about the guys that fraternity are fighting, these independent areas, they all are used to fighting in these numbers. Um, so they're, it's basically their, um, their field, their forest that they're fighting in. So good for them. Okay, now we go to HiSec where... Uh, the unthinkable happened, and that is somebody attacked Rome. Somebody hit the space pope and took out That's a Satio. It's low sec in the middle. It's a low sec island inside yeah, of Yeah, it's Hi-Sec. a low sec island. Yeah. yeah. So Baz Garin is the system we're talking about. Uh, I gave a, a history about this Keepstar and uh, why it's in Baz Garin and uh, who owned it before, and basically the, the nature of owning a Keepstar inside of uh, Empire Space, what that's like and how difficult that is. Uh, in this case, uh, Snuff decided uh, after some time, right? Snuff has kind of been around this area for a long time. They decided to attack the engineering complex, the Satio, and they actually destroyed it. And now they've reinforced the Keepstar, and I am in, I'm sure they intend to destroy that in Baz Garin. Uh, the owners of this Keepstar are the Sixth Empire, which is led by, as you know, um, Max Singularity, who is the considered the space pope by a lot of players. He didn't name himself, but he was given that uh, because he looked like uh, the pope. You know, I think he was a Marian. Uh, he had an Amarian outfit that made him look like the pope because uh, he's kind of a cosplayer, uh, at least at meetups. So that's the situation. I think a lot of people are familiar with this. If you're not, there's, um, there's a lot of history involved uh, with the people involved here. But Arcia, you were there on the ground, uh, heeding the call to help defend that Satio. Tell us what happened. I was heeding the call to shoot at Snuff, not necessarily defend the Satio. But <laughs> okay, um, a lot, a lot of different groups showed up in various types of fleets, from assault frigates to tornadoes. We were in Ferox. There were a couple of Drake fleets, and for the most part, there was some, some like desperate attempt to coordinate shooting at snuff being done in local like there but nobody was really organized to do anything even remotely resembling damage to snuff so most of the groups that showed up were pretty much just shooting at one another trying to kill what they could um and there was a lot of there was a lot of uh ships exploding there i think local hit like 17 
16 or 1700, which is pretty big for a a lot. Right. I think it's the largest fight I've ever been in. Um, Like command, commanding a fight, uh, commanding a fleet. So you had a fleet of, we had a fleet of Feroxes. Uh, There was about 70 people in fleet 50 were in the Ferox wing. And then we had uh, some friends from a specific corp and pandemic horde who had a little jackthaw wing. Right. And we started shooting at snuff. We couldn't obviously break the carriers. So we shot at fighters and then like immediately silent company came over and started shooting at us. So I tried to headshot Casper and uh, (laughs) he caught reps. We pinged snuff, killed him. And we basically pinged around looking for people to shoot and uh, trying to shoot at snuff's fighters when we could using the on grid ride to route to, to tether and pick out targets calmly, right? Mm. But it was just really chaotic, a true low sec fight with a thousand different sides. And uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna see it again uh, for the Keepstar timer on, I think Tuesday, 1700, I think, don't quote me, but I think that's accurate. It's really early. It's a really early timer. This is the final timer because the armor timer was just yesterday, I think. Yeah. Uh, for people arguing about, uh, uh, my fleet was Min, Minmatar Militia, Electus Matari, Usher Khan, and various other groups that, that came. Uh, the Pandemic Horde people were just a specific corp from Pandemic Horde who wanted to be in fleet so we didn't shoot each other. Uh, it's it's an F, another FC that I know through another medium. Right. So it was, uh, th- there wasn't much damage being done to snuff, but uh, it sounds like you guys were all shooting each other. Snuff lost one apostle, I think. They lost nothing. Uh, uh, one apostle and some fighters. Do you want Daddy Deep in here? He was actually manning one of those keep, uh, one of those uh, structures, uh, gunning them. So he might actually know a bit of it. Yeah, drag him up. Drag him or her up. There we go. But yeah, Snuff right. kept the, the Sodio timer paused by shooting at it with their titans where well their big ball of carriers and uh facts kept everything nice and safe good evening good evening daddy uh well it's weird to say but uh, there it is what so you were in one of the structures you were in the soteo manning or the uh what, what were you doing on this fight oh, yesterday i was manning the keepstar to uh, try to defend it a bit but oh okay but our leadership basically asked for a stand down because, well, we see so many of our friends die and none of the aggressors die or so little of them. Um, okay. So what was, what was it? First of all, I've been in your position. I've actually used to keep start to doomsday uh, Titans actually with not much success because if they stay out of a certain range, the keep start can't really hurt them. And the Doomsday can really only wound them uh, unless you have other damage being applied to them. What was it like for you to be in a Keepstar defending it? Well, it's kind of a really weird job to do, especially if it's the first time you do it. We're not really used to this kind of combat. I mean, we're Sixth Empire. We're not really well known for our big fights. Yeah, right. Uh, how much have they destroyed so far? At the moment, they have blown up our Satio and, yeah, a lot of... Uh, friendly ships died and that's the most mm. sad. yeah are, are people coming to uh are people coming to help you out that you know of or is there going to be a big showdown for this keepstar 
I hope there will be a big showdown, but we did get little confirmation on people showing up, which is, yeah, kind of too bad. Yeah. So you don't know if people are coming or not. They might. They might, I hope. But yeah. Yeah, hey, as uh, how the Sotillo went down and we can basically, yeah, it was a great fight. Lots of people had fun. We had a lot of people from HiSec that had never seen Titans and Carriers uh, show up. And they had a blast and a lot of people had fun fighting each other. That was great to see. But on the other hand, yeah, for the structure, it didn't really help a lot. Well, that's a really good, that's a really good point to make. I, Arcia, what's got you all doubled over? <laughs> I keep looking at the Sutonia. I keep Sutonia? looking at Sutonia laughing and then I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't know what you guys are laughing at, but um, I'll see you after class. <laughs> you guys are laughing yourselves under your desks. Hilarious. Okay. I think Sutonia nearly died. Yeah, I think he fell off. Sutonia <laughs> died at Matterall greeting Double D. I'm calling oh. you Double D, all right? Double, all right, Double D works. That's got connotations yeah. too, but whatever. Yeah, hey, at a certain point, you start to use internet name generators to uh, uh, come up with uh, character names, and this is what happened to me. <laughs> oh, okay. So, <laughs> so... um this fight, do you, can you tell us when it's going to happen? I really like that point that this is, uh, for some people, this may be the first time they see Titans in action and, uh, you know, a huge battle because 1700 is a lot of people in a system. So when's this next and last showdown for that Keep starring Basgarin? Uh, the next showdown will be on Tuesday, and I'm not really exactly sure about the timer. Basically, I was uh, hammered after uh, defending... Uh, the keep star as best as I could, and I actually didn't check. So I think it's seventeen hundred, but I'm going to double check today before I ping. I think it was something around that, yeah. All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot uh, for letting us know. Do you have anything you want to say about the whole situation you find yourself in? You're part of Sixth Empire, I assume. Yeah, I'm part of Sixth Empire. Yeah. And well, what I can say, hey, I was so happy to see so many people show up to assist us. And well, hey, that was just hard, heartwarming. It was fantastic. Awesome. So I, I would like to thank all of Eve, everybody that showed up the, to show that they showed uh, their support to us. That was great. Thank you all for that. Awesome. All right. Thanks, uh, Mr. Deep. And, uh, Let's uh, move on, to Arcia, to the last um, topic of the day, and that is Faction War. Uh, what's going on with Faction War? So after a string of failures to anchor a citadel and losing uh, a few of those fights, Minmill um, successfully anchored a staging citadel for an assault on the system of Arzad. It looks like there's going to be a lot of fighting in the system of Arzad uh, in the Amar Minmatar War Zone. Uh, as Min Mill tries to siege the important system. Um, Arzad is also known as Starkman for a lot of the Minmatar because it is uh, the site of the home, the home planet of the Starkmanir tribe. So it's always uh, a system that has really interesting sieges and people might be trying to push the envelope here instead of Felicisone. I guess people still have PTSD from Bliss. 
So uh, that's probably the place to look to for uh, fighting in low sec for the next couple months. Cool. We'll check that out as it heats up. So did you say Flossiswin 2 might be happening at some point? There was, it's going to depend on like news articles. If like, I think if uh, focus goes back over there, but right now people are focused on Arzad. But there was definitely rumors of Flossiswin 2 electric boogaloo. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, is there anything else, RCM, before I wrap up? Not really. It's a little update. Okay. So there you have it. That is your week in uh, EVE Online. I'd like to thank Arcia and uh, Caleb and Suetonia and uh, Tiberius, who was here earlier. As, uh, McLeod is our engineer, is always putting up the images, circling things for you so you can see them on the map. And our last minute guest, uh, Daddy Deep, <laughs> uh, for joining us, telling us what it was like to be inside of a Keepstar. Wow, bad referencing never stops. Um, thank you guys very much for walking, for watching, talking in stations. And uh, we will see you during the week and then see you again next, uh, next uh, Sunday. Okay, take care. We're going we're gonna to go have a laugh. See you next time on Talking in Stations.